This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Nothing in life that I have said yes to was comfortable. Everything that I've ever done has stretched me, has has taken me out of my comfort zone. But literally, it just took one yes to get me to where I am or to get me on the, in the process of going to where I am today. And it just takes one. And I tell kids all the time, like, you have so many opportunities left and right every single day, but it just takes one yes to, to, to discover what your abilities are, what your talents are, and what your life can be. This is Kelly Watson, and you're listening to It Just Takes One. Have you ever watched the NBC show called American Ninja Warrior? If you have, then you're going to recognize my next guest, Daniel Gill, and he's joined by his wife, Abigail. Daniel has been an outstanding performer on that show. He's been in the finals every season that he's competed, and Abby has been by his side every step of the way. You know, the first time I ever watched the show, I was hooked because watching those men and women and the athleticism that they display is honestly incredible. They fly through the air and they overcome these crazy looking obstacles and yet they make it look so easy and effortless. And because they make it look so easy, we tend to forget everything they had to go through in order for them to get there in the first place. It isn't easy. It takes years of practice and training and rejection. (laughs) And sometimes, like in the case of Daniel Gill, it takes a complete shift in your life plan. You're going to hear more of Daniel's backstory in this interview, and you'll discover where his life took a tremendous turn. You'll also hear about some of the many challenges, obstacles in his life (laughs) that he had to overcome in order to get onto that show in the first place. You'll also find out some of his secrets for being able to compete at that level consistently, year after year. In addition, you're going to have the opportunity to hear a little more from his wife. Abby shares some of her experiences, how she helps him be successful, and how she's using her own skills to help make an impact on the world as well. This happens to be the first interview that they've ever done together. So that was really a pleasure for me to be able to talk with both of them at the same time. For now, I invite you to sit back and listen in as Daniel and Abigail Gill share their story. Hi, Daniel and Abby. Welcome to, it's such a nice pleasure to have you on It Just Takes One. Having us, we're really excited to be here today. Yeah, really excited to have you here. Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Many people listening to the show are going to know you from the NBC show, American Ninja Warrior. They've seen you on that show for the past few seasons and seen the success you've had there. So they they get to see a piece of you. But I want to go back and kind of fill in a little bit more of your background for the listeners. And let's just go back to to growing up. Um, Tell the listeners a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about 
what it was like growing up in, in your area and some of the things that you did as a child coming into before becoming an athlete. Okay, cool, cool. So for me, uh, I'm a born and raised Houstonian, so native. So been born and raised here in Houston uh, my whole entire life. Came from a large family of five kids. So I'm the second oldest of five. And uh, we were all homeschooled. So didn't have the typical upbringing that uh, most of my peers did. You know, I ran in different circles, uh, had different opportunities to do different things. Um, and so with that said, um, one of the things that I did most while growing up was being a part of a local homeschool choir. And so singing and uh, dancing and musical arts was a huge passion that I had uh, all the way up until I started competing on American Ninja Warrior. I mean, I did it all through um, elementary school, all through middle school, into high school, I got more into the, the theater side, dancing, performing, uh, visual arts and things like that. And then there was uh, a season of my life where I thought I was gonna go to Broadway and that I thought the trajectory for my life was going to be a Broadway uh, performer. And then, you know, lo and behold, I got an opportunity to begin working at a ninja gym and then my, my, route took, my life took a, a hard left, so to speak. And uh, I am where I am now because of it. I love that. In fact, the whole premise of this podcast, it just takes one, is to look and, and remember and realize those moments that you just described, that moment where everything seems to be going one way and then suddenly because of a circumstance or experience, a person, somebody along the way, your trajectory completely changes and life goes in a completely different direction. So I love that you, you brought that up. It goes right to what our premise is for this show. Let's talk a little bit more about the homeschooling. I find that really interesting, and I know that's um, something many of my listeners will be interested in hearing a little bit more about. Mm -hmm. Being homeschooled, uh, your mother and your father working together on doing that, um, how did you get into the, the theater and all of those kinds of things? How did those opportunities present themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, for me, like uh, everything was done at home. I, I know nowadays, you know, homeschooling has gotten very progressive and like there's different outside classes and uh, different sources that people can, can pull from. For me, I did most everything at my house. You know, we had a, a several different local homeschool stores that would go, we'd gather all of our curriculum. So we'd wake up early in the morning to get all of our schoolwork done and then spend the rest of our days just hanging out as a family. We had a huge, you know, um, like obstacle course type set up in our backyard with trampolines and zip lines and things. So we spent a lot of time outdoors, but um, to get kind of our social elements that, you know, I believe every, every kid needs, um, we were a part of several different uh, local organizations. So, you know, one, we were hugely involved in our church activities and different uh, ministry opportunities from that. And then uh, to find some more extracurricular activities, we found a homeschool specific choir. And so, uh, I was super shy as a kid, did not ever uh, sing out or even realize that I had a decent sounding voice until, you know, I got into to high school. So I'd been in choir for about four or five years before I actually began getting pulled on more. And they were like, okay, Jewel, try the solos, try this, try that. And I, I stepped out, realized I was good at it. And then, you know, fell in love with singing, fell in love with uh, just the, the discipline it takes to memorize all the lyrics, to, you know, memorize the notes. Um, and uh, from that, the same choir program that I was in had a dance program connected to it. And you know, me being, being a young guy, uh, the type of dancing that they did kind of 
was based off of, you know, what you see on Dancing with the Stars. They brought in as many different styles as possible. They used guys and girls to do different flips and tricks and things like that. And so that, like for me being a, an athletic kid or a teenager at this point, I was like, that's really cool. I could, you know, do a handstand walk. I could do a backflip and, and learn to toss these girls up in the air. That looks awesome. And so, you know, for about five years while I was um, a part of this homeschool choir, I was also a part of their uh, visual arts program too. So it was all the singing and stuff and it were, or all the dancing, I should say. And so that pretty much took over and dominated my life all through high school, just uh, whether it was a competition for the next performance that we were preparing for, I was the choir kid. And a lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, and Ninja Warrior briefly mentioned it at one point, I think my second season that I competed, uh, where they said that I had a, a background in performing and visual arts, that I was a Renaissance man. And <laughs> I was and I thought that I was going to do that the rest of my life at one point in my life yeah fascinating I love that you know I always think um, it's so interesting people are like onions you know you sort of peel off layers and you see more of them and so I love to see that you've got that very well-rounded um, background not just in athletics but but in the arts as well do you think that some of that dancing and the singing you said you were a shy child how, how do you think that that played into you gaining your confidence and and how what role did that play in helping you become that confident competitor that you've become Absolutely. I, I think, and I tell people all the time when I get to speak in different schools and other places that it was, it was vital to me. And I look back on my life now and I am so thankful for the, uh, the opportunity slash my parents forcing me to, to join this choir in the first place, though I was shy. Because when I did, it, it provided a, a safe environment for me to step out of my comfort zone um, and try new things. For me, it was one thing to sing in a, in a choir where nobody could hear me individually. But when I, when I began to feel the pressure of, of you know, having the invitation to come audition for a solo or the director pulling me aside and saying, Daniel, you have a great voice. You don't even realize it, but your voice, you're talented. So I want you to try out for this solo. I want you to, to you know, give a demonstration. And so it was, those, it was the little times that I said yes that would just gradually build up my confidence because the times that it didn't go well and I bombed it, it was still safe. And, and I was celebrated because I, I stepped out and I tried something new. And so that even in, in and of itself would build my confidence where I was like, okay, well, I think I could do better the next time. And now I, I want to do it. And I was also, and am extremely competitive. So when I, when I decided I was going to try out for a solo or something, I said, okay, I'm going to do absolutely everything it takes to do my very best. And then I, you know, I fell in love with kind of the, the lights and the, the, um, the sights and the sounds of, of theater and performing. And so I look back on my life now as a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. And when I tell people what it's like to compete on American Ninja Warrior, I tell them that for me, it's very similar to uh, being a stage performer. Because when you step up there on the stage or on the course about to run um, on American Ninja Warrior, you've got the lights You've got the cameras, you've got an audience right there, and you're, you're performing something that you've, you've trained for a long time, but that's it. Like, this is, like, this is the show. This is the time that you've got you've to shine. And so I, I'm so thankful for, for my parents and, you know, for the Lord for putting me in that situation to uh, have a, a mindset and a mentality of, like, okay, even though there's a lot of moving parts and different things happening around me, like, the show must go on and I need to be prepared for anything to, to happen. And so that's, that's what it was like for me as I was performing and the confidence that it gave me um, 
to do what I'm able to do on American Ninja Warrior now. I, I love that. And I think, you know, I often say that all the things that we experience in life are like stepping stones, you know, they, they build us up for the next thing. And, and all those pieces that may seem completely opposite of what you're doing actually play a huge role in who you become. So, so thank you. I think that's um, a fascinating piece to see how that built in and how you use those skills. You also mentioned, you know, that it is that moment when you're up on, on the stage at the, at the start of the, of the course and you have the audience with you. And, and one of your greatest fans and cheerleader is your wife who's with us here too. So I want to give Abby a chance to say hello. And um, Abigail, let's, let's give the audience a little bit of an idea of where you're from and a little bit about how you're, you were brought up and what your upbringing was like. Okay. Um, well, thanks for having me. Um, so first interview we've done together. So nice. I was also born in Houston, Texas, and I grew up uh, in ministry all the time. My parents were youth pastors for many years. And so my earliest memories were in the church. And so I was always uh, growing up around that. Anytime the church was open, we were always there. And, um, I didn't always do homeschooling. I've pretty much done every form of schooling. <laughs> and um, I ended it on homeschooling um, my last two and a half years of high school. And um, then I went to ministry school for two years, interned with ministry for a year after that. Um, and yeah, I've uh, always loved to do um, ministry and be heavily involved in that. And um, I've always had a passion for art and music and worship. And so, yeah. And, and we'll talk a little more about how that art um, brought us together, why, why we're sitting here today. But uh, I was fascinated as I was getting the opportunity to work with you, Abby, to hear more about your missionary work and how your art actually played a role in your missionary work. Share with the listeners a little bit about the mission trips that you've done and, and how your art became a piece of that. Yeah, and so I've been to, um, when I was younger and growing up, I went to Brazil when I think I was 16. I may have been 15. Um, and then I went to um, uh, Trinidad, and then I went to Kenya. And so for these various trips, you know, you got to fundraise sometimes. And so, and you know, God will provide it. He opened up the door and called you to go, and he'll provide the means to go. And so um, I was inspired because I always loved to do art and draw. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start selling my art and see, you know, how it goes. Because um, our church, we'd bring in different people, and some of them were artists, and they would have paintings that they would sell and different things um, that were, like, worship-inspired. And I was like, that's really cool. I was like, so I want to do that to, like, fund the kingdom and fund what I'm doing. And so um, I made... Um, for that trip specifically, I think I was going to Kenya. And so I drew different, like I drew drafts, so like lions and I made like a little deck of like cards that you, like thank you cards you could send to people that had my artwork. And then I had wood burning and all this stuff. So, yeah. Nice. The gifts that you're given that, that continue to give. Beautiful. How did the two of you meet? Um, well, we actually met at a mutual friends going away party back in um, 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, it was just, you know, a random coincidence. And uh, then we shortly became best friends after that. And then we started dating and now we're married. Yeah, took a few times of me trying and, and getting shot down before she finally, finally softened up to me. And yeah, I turned him down twice. She turned me down <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask you, Daniel, what do you remember about that moment meeting her? Oh, man. I, I remember meeting her. And, you know, at the time when, when where we met, 
I knew very few people at that event. And so for me, I had graduated high school at this point and I was, I was at a ministry school um, different from the one that Abby was going to at the time. And I remember thinking, okay, Daniel, like it's time to meet new people, make some new friends. Like you're a young adult, like do it. <laughs> so I, when I saw her and her friends, I was like, okay, these are some cool young adult people. Okay. Let's, let's start up a conversation. And I did. And they were like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I, I go to a, a ministry school here in Houston and there, she and all her friends were like, oh, that's really cool. Like, so do we. And I was like, what? That's, that's uncommon. Yeah. And they were like, well, what year are you? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm a first year student. And they're like, oh, we're all, we're all second year students. So we, we probably know a little bit more about the Bible and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> so just. A competition right from the get go. <laughs> and so we were like, well, that's, that's really cool. Like, when where does your church meet like do you guys have a young adult service when do y'all have conferences and so we began to just um all like my group of friends from my ministry school would go hang out with her group of friends and vice versa so we'd visit each other's churches and um you know it was through that process that i began to just have more conversations with abigail and very quickly i was like this girl is different than anyone that I've ever met. And just through the conversations of the, the different mission trips that we've gone, the different um, dreams that we have personally for our lives, it was um, almost like instant best friends is what it turned into. And it was about a six month process before I, I worked up the nerve and the confidence to say, okay, well, I see that this could go somewhere further. Um, what are your thoughts? To which she she told me her thoughts and said like now's not the time this isn't uh, this isn't what I want. And the funny thing was is like leading up to that conversation because we were at a conference and so people would see us walking around and they you know they'd stop us and say oh my gosh y'all are so cute together and this and that and I was like oh we're not together we're just friends <laughs> and the one lady she was seriously upset about it when I told her that we weren't together she was like oh no she's like y'all need to fix that y'all need to fix that right now and so. I, <laughs> You know, we were both laughing. He was like laughing nervously, trying to see what my response would be. Um, and then shortly uh -huh. after, he told me he liked me, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> I like you, but not like that." Um, and so it took it took a little bit of time. It took but. a little bit of time, but I knew she was worth fighting for. I knew she was worth uh, continuing the pursuit uh, because literally, anytime I met any other woman, I was like, "Nope, you don't. You're like nothing like Abigail." Not at all. So continued pursuing Abby with everything that I had. And um, about, Lord, maybe eight months after the first time I asked her out, she, she finally was like, hey, yeah, let's, let's do it. Green yeah, light. Because he asked me again before I moved away because um, I said I interned with ministry for a year. So I graduated ministry school and I knew I was supposed to do full-time ministry for about a year. And um, the ministry I was interning with, they relocated to Nashville. And so he asked me kind of before I was leaving, you know, to say, hey, do you want to start dating um, long distance? And so I said no. Um, <laughs> just, I just wanted to make sure, you know, um, that long distance thing, it was going to work out because that typically doesn't really work out. And so, so we waited a little bit. And then, I mean, a month in, I was already in love with him. And so I came back and, you know. Let's go ahead and start dating. So we did. Yep. There you are. It's so interesting, too, that so many people saw that connection between you from outside. You know, sometimes I think when people do fit together, it's very apparent from outside whether you are there personally inside or not. You know, so it, it, I love that you could had some people see that glow between you or some kind of fit that that was there i know on the show people always say you're the same because of your hair you know you both have the same hair um but there really is more to it there you there is a, a nice energy between you and it is very apparent from out here 
So I, I love that beautiful story. Daniel, let's take the story a little bit further now. I want to talk about that moment that you described, that moment where the trajectory of your life completely changed. And you, at that point, thought you were heading to Broadway, and instead you went another way. Let's kind of peel that apart a little bit more and, and share a little bit more about how you did end up becoming an American Ninja Warrior competitor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I mean, to, to even go further back, like when I was in high school, I uh, remember hearing a message preached at, at my church and the guy was talking about how um, uh, Jesus gave the parable of the talents where, you know, there was a, a master who gave his servants each um, a certain amount of money. And he told them, you know, you're in charge of this. And when I come back, you're going to, yeah, uh, you're going to give it back to me. And a lot of like two out of the three, they actually worked with what they had and they, they grew it into more. And so when he came back, they were like, here's what you've given us. Plus, you know, we, we made additional money. And so the whole, the whole message that the point that he made was that he was like, I believe that every single person on this earth has different giftings, has different abilities, has different talents that are placed within them, uh, whether they realize it or not. It may be sports. It may be um, health. It may be uh, like mathematics. It, just whatever it is, he was like, people know what they're good at and other people could even tell them, hey, you're good at this. You're good at that whether it's a parent or a teacher or somebody. And so he was like, our job uh, as believers is to, to find out, discover what our giftings are and to uh, build them up and prepare ourselves to, to use those for whatever uh, doors of opportunity open in our lives. And so that, that message hit me when I was a teenager. And I was like, okay, what are my giftings? Okay. And at that point, singing was my main one, singing, dancing, performing, all of that. And I was like, okay, that's probably like my greatest talent. I said, but I also have, you know, a sports background. Growing up, I played every sport imaginable. Um, and my dad got a bull flex when I was in high school. And so I was like, okay, bull flex. I always want to be as physically strong enough to do anything that I, that I thought of. Um, and so I was doing all these different things, um, preparing myself for whatever opportunities life, life opened to me. So graduating high school, um, before I was going to go uh, to any, any sort of college, I could have gotten a full ride scholarship for uh, vocal to be a vocal major, uh, but I also had business on my mind and I also had uh, athletics on my mind. And so I said, okay, God, like before I go into any, before I pick one thing, uh, I'm going to spend a few years at a ministry school. I want to travel the world. I want to preach. I want to teach. I want to lead worship because at this point I was a worship leader at my church as well. And I said, God, I want to devote a couple years of my life to, to seeking you. And then I'll go into whatever workforce that you want me to be in. So as I'm traveling the world for about a two-year period of my life with a ministry school here in Houston, I got to go to places like Bulgaria, Rome, Italy, Honduras, Japan, Malaysia. And it was during that season, those two years of my life, that I, I fell in love with ministry. And I was like, I remember praying and I said, God, I will go anywhere you send me. I will do anything that you ask of me. I will gladly become a, a pastor or a worship leader or a missionary like and I'm having these conversations with Abby at this point too, because our lives are kind of on a, we're on a similar trajectory. And I was like, I will gladly do any of these things, God. You just say the word and I'll do it. But I'll, I'll also go anywhere else if you ask me to, Lord. Like, I know that walking with you is going to be the most impactful and satisfying life for me and those around me. And so uh, I was fully committed to, to, you know, whether he opened a door for Broadway or he opened a door into the business industry or if he opened a door to full-time ministry. I was like, God, I won't hold you back. I, I say yes in advance. And it was at that point in my life uh, while I was at this ministry school that my current job at the time 
ended and it was a temp job. So I was answering phones. I hated it. I, I love people and I love being around people, meeting people. And I was just answering phones. So that job ended and I was like, well, okay, I need a job. I got bills, I get bills to pay, things to do. What am I going to do? And I said, God, I'm not going to sit on my hands and just ask you to drop it in my lap. I will gladly write out a resume and go look for a job. Now, I don't know what I want to do because everything I want to do either requires a degree or requires several years of, of training for. So I don't even know what I'm going to do for this next stepping stone. Um, but because I had friends around me um, who kind of knew what my giftings were, they encouraged me. They, they you know, looked for different places. And a friend of mine told me, hey, I work at this gym I think you'd be interested in. And immediately a red flag popped up and I said, dude, like I don't do traditional like weightlifting. All I do is like mainly calisthenics, push-ups, pull-ups, running, climbing. I don't, I wouldn't know what to do in a gym. And it was like, well, Daniel, you know, it's not a regular, it's not a typical uh, gym. It's an obstacle course gym. And this was about six years ago now in, in 2000, what was it like 13? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it's an obstacle course gym. And I said, what do you mean obstacle, like, like monkey bars and stuff? And he was like, yeah, like a lot of monkey bars. He said, have you ever seen that show, American Ninja Warrior? And my heart skipped a beat. And instantly I like, I had this flashback to when I was a kid and I used to watch Ninja Warrior when it was back on like uh, G4 and it was in Japanese and I had to like read the subtitles. And he was like, yeah, I work at the only gym here in Houston that trains people for that. And all of a sudden, I, like, I was thinking, I was like, God, like, is this an opportunity for me to get to do something that, that I love, but that I also could encourage and, and help people? So long story short, I went that same day, met with the owner, um, and then found out one of the guys who worked there was leaving so I could just have the next available position, began working with kids, directing a kid's program, and then training for the TV show. And I was like, God, if you're going to open this door for me to do this and it makes me come alive and I see the impact that I'm having on others. I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. I'm going to use this as kind of my ministry platform. I'll put kingdom across my shirt. And if I get on the TV show, like I'm going to do that to be an inspiration, to be um, someone who encourages and lifts up anyone who watches the show. So man, I had no idea that that's what was going to kind of, kind of open up to me, but it did. And I am making the most out of every opportunity from the show. I, I thank you. I love that um, that you were listening and that you were so open. And I keep thinking, if if somebody's listening to this right now, who is at a point in their life where you were, where the next thing isn't quite so clear, and they don't know what they want, and they're praying or you know looking for whatever is next, yeah. oftentimes there is a, a deep seated fear and uncertainty. And I think that often paralyzes people. It didn't paralyze you. And what would you say, what would you share with people that would maybe give them some inspiration or, or at least share how you look at that so that you see it as motivation and not something that's paralyzing? Yeah. So for me, like, um, I mean, again, for me personally, a lot of it goes back to just my upbringing um, in, in a Christian home and in an environment where it was uh, my, like, I remember my parents would just tell me like, Daniel, like all, all things are possible. Like if you've got a dream in your heart, like don't give up, don't quit. And no matter how, how difficult it may uh, feel in the moment, like there's a way out and there's a way through it. And even if it's a tough part of your story, like you'll look back and you'll have a, a, sh a story to share with other people. And so 
during the, the difficult decisions in my life, especially that one where I had bills that needed to be met, I had a time frame and a deadline and needed things to happen. I am a firm believer that, you know, our, our, our destinies, our, our purpose in life isn't just wrapped up in ourselves individually, but is also wrapped around the, the people that are placed in our lives to help us get from where we are to, to where we're going and where we're supposed to go. And for me, I've always had incredible friends and uh, leaders and role models in my life who've had a huge voice to speak into my life. So anytime I've come to a, a difficult decision that if it were just me alone with my thoughts would cripple me and paralyze me, I would take those thoughts or those fears or those worries and concerns to my parents, to my pastoral leadership, to close friends of mine whose opinion I trust, and I would ask them what their thoughts are. And it's so incredible to, to hear um, the perspectives of people who aren't you, people who are looking at your life and can see a different trajectory than what you, in the moment, in the heat and the weight of all the, the anxiety, people can see things that we can't. And so as I was looking for a job, completely, um, unaware of what I even could do. I knew things I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go into the food industry, didn't want to go into uh, the retail industry, but I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily. But to have other people come alongside me and say, okay, Daniel, what, th what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then eventually have a friend that I had only known for a couple of months prior say, hey, Daniel, I think I've got something you might be interested in. What do you think about this? And so it was, it was one of those things where I never could have went out and found that job on my own. It took having someone in my life, uh, giving them an ear to what they had to say. And then it, as soon as I heard it, this thing sparked inside of me. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I didn't even realize it. I didn't know before. But as soon as you told me you worked at a gym like that, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I tell people all the time that, you know, you can only go as far as you personally can reach if you're living life like on your own. But if you're living life with different people around you, like you've got their reach on your side, you've got their uh, inf impact and influence on your life and on your side as well. So I'm truly thankful for the different people that have uh, influenced me and helped guided me to where I am today. Yeah, that's such a good point, you know, that you can go so far on your own, but when you have a team of people around you that see something you cannot see necessarily in the moment, that is, um, that can often just motivate you or pull you in a different direction. Abigail, you were one of those people around him. So when he was looking at this as a possibility, what were your thoughts about it? What, what did you see? Well, I remember, um, cause I met him. I mean, I knew him at the time when he was in ministry school and looking for a new job. And so he called me, he's like, hi, I lost my job and I don't know what I want to do next. And you know, there's a lot out there, but I, I just don't know. And then I remember him calling me the day after or not after, but, soon after that when his friend had told him about iron sports and he told me he's like ah oh, it was the most like roller coaster of emotions because at first it didn't seem i'd be able to work there and then right before i walked out the door god made a way and so i'm really excited this is going to be different but you know i love kids and i you know my dad was a coach so i have a really good example and so it was just really it was really cool to see the process of how like god really laid out everything and how everything worked out to where he is now 
Yeah. Yeah. Always in hindsight, you can go back and see how all those dots connect in the moment, maybe not so much. Um, But, you know, to to see that happening and to be with him on that part of the journey and and from the beginning of this journey is also a a really important part of, of your life and your relationship together, too. So you, did, you started out and you're working at, at the gym and you're, you're working at the gym as well as working out at the gym. Yes. And you knew at that point that you're, you were going to really train to be on the show or were you just there to get in shape and have fun? Uh, no, from the time that I, I started working there, uh, I, I had goals and I had dreams because as soon as that friend told me about that gym, it was like, I gave myself a few minutes to just sit and kind of dream about the, the possibilities, what it could turn into, what, what could come from it. Being the only gym uh, at the time in Houston that trained people for the show, I said, okay, I'm going to be working with people who have been on the show. I'm going to be training with people who have been on the show. And I, I want to do that. That's, that's a dream on my heart. So working at the gym, I said, okay, like, I'm going to be the best worker that I can be, the best employee that I can be, the best coach because I I became the director of a kids program that still uh, is on for, or still um, is continuing to this day, like the the program that I direct. And I said, okay, I want to be the best director. I want to you know do all these things, but at the same time, I want to pursue my dreams and and get on the show, even if it's just to to say I got on the show once. But I feel like I'm strong enough. I feel like I've I've got the mentality to actually do really well at this so it took it took about two years of working there and training before I actually got uh, my first shot on the show and it's funny because I get to speak in a lot of different places and everybody just assumes that you know it was it was this easy road you know (laughs) began working began training and then like boom got a call back got to compete on the show and just you know it, it was a smooth ride and it wasn't that way when I began training for the show um, at the at the gym I was working at um, I was very quickly one of the strongest guys there because of just my background in, in training and, and you know parkour and all the sports and athletics that I did so it translated really well to um, obstacle courses and so I was winning different local competitions and uh, coaching classes and when I first tried out and auditioned for the show because it is a reality TV show and you have to send in a, a like an application and a, and a submission video. When I first sent mine in, I, I did not get a call back. And I was so sure that I would, that it would just be this instance, God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm gonna get on the show and it's gonna be great this year. And it did not happen that way. It took a whole year of uh, waiting and I got to go to different competitions where they were filming. I got to test run some of the obstacles, meet some of the producers. And they were like, wow, you're really strong. Like, why aren't you a competitor? And I said, well, I didn't get a call back this year. And I'm, I'm technically not old enough yet. You had to be 21. I was only 20 at the time. They said, well, send us a video next year. And we'd love to see you on the show. So then I'm, I'm just full of hope. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm excited. Yes, I'm going to train even harder this year. And this next year, I'm going to send in a video. So I wait another year train for another year and prepare myself, send in a video, and again, did not get a callback when it seemed like everybody else at my gym was getting a callback. Even people who had only just began training there, they, they were like, Daniel, you'll never guess. Ninja Warrior called me. They want me to compete on the show. I've only been training for a couple months. I can barely do you know, five pull-ups, but they like my story and they want me to compete. <laughs> Surely you've gotten your callback by now. And, and I remember just looking at them and saying, no, I, I haven't. Um, 
but I'm going to do everything that I can to get on the show. And again, just uh, the hardest obstacle that I tell people that I've ever faced on the show was literally just getting on the show. And uh, so I did the only other thing that I could after not getting a callback my second year was I went and joined what's called the walk online where once Ninja Warrior releases the dates and the locations for where they're going to be filming, you can go and you can wait in line for literally weeks at a time, sleeping bag with a tent, chair, and you just camp out there. And on the night of the competition, they will pull out maybe 10 or 15 out of a line of 50, and they'll let them run the course as a kind of a test runner. Um, so you'll get to you'll get to compete on the show, but you'll you won't have it won't be under good circumstances. You'll be you'll be dehydrated, sunburned, and things like that. And so I did that in Houston when they filmed here uh, on season seven. I joined the line. I stayed in there for a week. I had a very bad position in line. There was no hope of me getting to getting to compete. I had different friends and family members say, Daniel, it looks like you should probably give up. Like it looks like you're gonna have to wait another year. Maybe you should just leave the line. But I was like, Dude, no, I feel like I'm called to do this. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And I'm going to do everything that I can in my power and ability to get on the show. And at this point in, in my life, I'm just going to, anything after that, I'm just going to put it on God and say, God, if you want me here, like you'll make a way. But it looks like there's no way. So I've got very little <laughs> hope I'm holding on to. But long story short, um, one of the producers that I had met the year prior when I was too young to compete he recognized me while I was sitting in that line after I was there for about a week or so, half a week. I was dehydrated, sunburned. And at that moment when he saw me, I was praying and I was angry with, with the Lord. And I was like, God, this is dumb. I'm not going to hide my feelings. Like I feel terrible. Uh, I'm hungry. I'm dehydrated. Um, even if I get a chance to run the course, I don't think it'll be at my best, but God, I'm 21 years old and you've never let me down up until this point. I've let myself down. Other people have let me down. Life has let me down, but you haven't. So even in this moment, if it doesn't work out this year, I'll just try again next year. And at that time, a, a producer came by. He recognized me, pulled me out of line and said, I remember you test running the courses last year. What are you doing in this walk online? We didn't select your video. And I said, well, for whatever reason, no, you didn't. And he was like, well, Here's what I want you to do, Daniel. I want you to go back, wait in line, and on the night of competition, when we send everybody else away except for a few, I'm going to make sure that you get to run the course. And it was just life-changing for me because I went back, I waited it out. On the night of competition, they pulled me aside. I got to run the course, and that was the night that I had uh, the fastest time of the night. went on to become the rookie of the year that year, and now a, a four-time national finalist on the show. And I, I tell people it's because I never, ever gave up on the dream that I had. When there were about four or five times where I could have very easily just said, okay, this is hard. This is tough. Nothing's working out. I'll try again next time. Like I never gave up and, and it worked out for me. Again, such a great life lesson. You know, from, from the audience perspective, it does seem so simple. Oh, look how effortlessly he's cruising through these obstacles and, you know, he's on TV and all these great lights. And, and what they don't know is that everything comes with a struggle, that the greatest success comes from a struggle. I was actually having this conversation not too long ago with our mutual friend, Jonathan Horton, who also says the same thing, you know, as an Olympian, he at some point recognized that he was going to get there no matter what, or at least give it everything he had on his way. And we were just talking about what that 
what that internal drive is that makes you keep going even when it seems like the doors are not opening for you. What do you tell people about that when you talk to kids, especially, I know you're, um, we'll talk a little bit more about what you're doing with children, but um, when you're out there talking to people and saying, you know, here's, here's how I got in and, and they say, well, you know, this didn't work out for me and my life hasn't gone the way I expected it to and things just aren't what I want it to be. What do you say to them? Oh man, I I, I, sh I usually share one of many different personal life stories of struggles that I've gone through and of disappointments because you know I tell I tell kids all the time that you know, we live in a world where where bad things happen you know whether it's mistakes that we make personally mistakes that other people make towards us or just circumstance life happens I you know I tell the story of my family being hit by Hurricane Harvey here in Houston last year we lost. Mm -hmm three houses, several cars, and, and we lost a lot. And it was nobody's fault, it was a natural disaster. And so I tell these students that when, when you're chasing after your dreams or your goals, or just even wanting to, to you know, do better in life, have better grades, have better, uh, or be better at your sport, I tell them that nothing in life is, is free, nothing is easy, but it, like what you said a minute ago, everything is, is worth the struggle when you see what ha what's on the other side of that struggle, it's just that victory, is that triumph. And for me, every time that I've gone through one of those situations, I, I grow from each and every experience. And so I've, I've had way more failures than I've had success. And it's from those times of failure that helped shape me into the man that I am now that says no matter how many times I fail, I know what it's like to succeed and I'm going to chase after that regardless of how many times I stumble along the way. And I, I share the story with young people that, you know, even being an American Ninja Warrior, the last four years that I've competed, I competed with the goal of ascending Mount Midoriyama and becoming the grand champion and winning a million dollars. And I tell the kids, I say, hey, have I done that yet? And of course, they watch the show and they're like, no, you, you haven't, Dano. You've fallen on stage two or stage three. Something has happened that, you know, stopped you. And I tell them, okay, well, when I fall in the water, like, what do I do when I come out? And they're like, well, you know, you, you, you smile and you talk in the interview that, like, you're, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. And I tell them, yeah, kids, that's, that's what I say on, on TV, even though in my heart, like, it hurts. Like, I, I just failed on national television and millions of people saw me fall. <laughs> and I tell them, but... That's what I love to do. Like, I love Ninja Warrior. I love uh, training. I love competing. I love the people. I, I love everything about it. And I tell kids, I say, when you find the things that make you come alive, whether it's a, a subject in school or an extracurricular activity, I say, when you find those things, you chase hard after them. Now, don't neglect the things that you have to do because there are all of us have things in life that, that we have to do, whether it's school or our job or whatever. I said, but when you find the things that make you come alive, like chase after them with all of your heart and no matter how difficult it may get, it is so worth it when you get back up every single time and, and continue chasing after that dream and that goal. And so that, that always goes really well with kids because getting to, to relate to them and share with them the struggles that I've had really encourages them that I'm not this all-star ninja warrior that never fails and never makes mistakes, but I'm relatable. And it's worse than what they've done because I've done it on national television <laughs> with millions of people. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said for that. I, and certainly that's a great message for them also. I remember hearing a um, quote, maybe it was on a video or something that I saw of yours and, and you said, but I get to do what I love to do, which is climb on anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. So no matter what, whether I, whether I fall in the water, I still get to get back up and keep climbing, whether, whether that is a success or a failure is, is irrelevant because the success is that you get to do what you love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, super. Abigail, what's it like for you when he's up there competing? Because even though you're not actually up there on the obstacle, you are right there with him from start to finish. What's that experience like for you? Um, sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking, especially if Daniel's a little nervous about an obstacle. Well, then I'm like, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, you can do anything. Because I remember when he first told me how he wanted to be on the show and he was just working at the gym. I was like, oh, yeah, you and every other guy watches the show. Um, but then he, like, started winning competitions. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you could win this whole thing. And so from that moment on, I was like, you could do anything. And so um, even when he's kind of like, I don't know if I got that, I was like, yeah, you got that. But if he's really nervous and then I'm like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Um, because it's like – you see somebody and this is their dream. Like I remember the first time uh, I ever got to see him compete his first year and he got the fastest time of the night. I almost started crying. I was like, that's so cool. Cause like you see somebody start their process of like, yeah, this is a dream of mine. You see them put all in like the hard work and the effort and then them actually like reach their goal and like win at something they've always dreamed about doing. It's an amazing moment. And it's like their victory is kind of your victory because <laughs> you've like seen their whole process. And so it's been incredible just to like be a part of it and run and cheer for him on the sidelines and watch him do each obstacle. And like, it's cool. Cause like, I can, I know I'm better now. So I can see when he's like kind of nervous on his face and read his expressions and like, you can see him thinking about what he's trying to do and where he's trying to go with the obstacles that he's doing. So it's been an incredible journey. And just for me too, like um, I've gotten to meet all the producers and I've gotten to meet um, all the other ninjas and they're so amazing. They all have incredible stories and a lot of them really do have a heart for the Lord. And so we've gotten to build amazing, incredible friendships. And we've also gotten to like pray for a lot of the ninjas whenever they're injured or they're just really run down or like trying to figure out how to make a business opportunity out of Ninja Warrior. Cause a lot of them do this full time and it hasn't been very fruitful for them. And they see something on Daniel's life and like, well, how do you, how do you do this? And then that's been another amazing ministry opportunity for him just to like share his testimony with them and like, well, I gave it all to God and I'm just following the doors that he's opened for me. And, um, he's made it, you know, financially stable for me because he said he'd provide all my needs. And so I think you've gotten to lead a couple of people to the Lord too, through that and pray for them for their finances. And so for me personally, it's been incredible. It's been, you know, a huge part of our lives and I know it will continue to be. And um, it's just been really cool to be on the sidelines and cheer him on and watch him win one day. Well, it takes a village, right? Like you said earlier, Daniel, it isn't like you're in this alone. There's so much more to it. And even from out here as, as an audience member and watching it, you do get the sense that there's a very tight bond between all of you as competitors. And I like when they pan over and they show everybody cheering for each other. So even though you might be majorly competing against them, you're really not you're supporting each other every step of the way and, and, and enjoying each other's success. You really get the feeling of that even from out here. Is that the experience that you have? Oh, definitely. And just because of the, the type of competition that Ninja Warrior is, 
every single competitor there knows exactly what goes into it, the hard work that it takes to, to be successful on the show. Because one thing that a lot of people don't realize or know is that what you see on TV as, as the ninjas compete, what you see is the very first time that we touch any of those obstacles. Ninja Warrior, unlike other sports or traditional sports, we don't get to practice uh, each of the obstacles. Um, and so every single competition, every round, where they're like, okay, and these new obstacles, like none of us have ever competed on those. None of us have tried any of those. And so all of us as athletes know how nerve wracking it can be and just how terrifying it can be to train so hard for, for something and then get one shot at it. And it's one shot at not doing something you've done, but doing a new obstacle or sometimes several new obstacles that you've never done before. And so the, the camaraderie between the ninjas is, it's not necessarily us versus each other. It's each of us individually versus the course mm. because all of us could hit the buzzer and all of us could move on. It's, it's very few of us actually care about having to beat another person. I, I, I'd say like almost nobody, maybe one or two with big egos. <laughs> but for the like 90% of the time, like every single ninja there that I've met has become a, a close friend of mine who, who we celebrate each other and we try to give each other as much information as we can on the obstacles, especially those who've run and then get to talk to others and say, okay, it feels, feels this way or it's, not, it's that way and, and things like that. And so the, the camaraderie has been so awesome for me and even Abigail, who's with me every step of the way, uh, to, to have a group of people not just competing against each other, but competing against this, this course. We want to we wanna beat what's known as the world's toughest obstacle course. And so we do whatever we can for each other to help see each other succeed in it because we know how painful it is when we fall. So we, we want to see each, other's, each other do as best as we possibly can. Uh, yeah, I think that that's fantastic. And thank you for pointing that out because I don't think that is so apparent. It, you know, they don't necessarily know that you've never touched that obstacle before. They just see you going and, you know, assume that you've got it, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you've had experience. So um, it adds another layer of understanding on how difficult, how truly difficult mm -hmm. those obstacle courses can be. Um, but I, it, it's great that you guys have that camaraderie and, and that you help and cheer each other on because I think that just adds so much more to it. So obviously that is a passion. Obviously you've done extremely well with it and uh, four seasons that you've been to the finals, almost, almost to the end this year. Um, we were all cheering. Do you want to talk about that moment at all? I mean, yeah, like it's, it's funny because Ninja Warrior, the last four years that I've been a part of it, it I've, I've learned that it is, not can be, but is the most humbling sport there is because you can be the strongest human being on the planet and just come up against an obstacle that you're not prepared for, one that you haven't touched before and things just not go the way that you plan. And for me, I'm a very visual person. So whenever I see the new obstacles that they're presenting in, in each new course, like I'll do it in my head a thousand times before I actually physically touch the obstacle. And I, I credit that a lot too, to when I was performing in high school, when I was doing Broadway things, because you wouldn't, you would have to practice each moment as if you were on stage in front of people. And so I would do the same thing now 
with Ninja Warrior. When I, when I see the obstacle, I do it in my head as if the audience is there, the lights are there and the cameras are rolling. And so my, my heart will skip a beat as I do that, but it prepares me, it calms me down for when I'm actually doing it in person because then it feels like something I've done countless times. Now, this season, oh, coming up against that, that obstacle uh, called Deja Vu on stage two in the national finals, I was, I was so confident in my own physical strength this year, f- literally being stronger than I've ever felt or been any of the other three years leading up to this. I, I believe that I overlooked the obstacle a little bit and that I, I broke focus. So when I was on the obstacle, honest to goodness, it felt exactly how I thought it would feel. And the first half of the obstacle felt good. But transitioning onto the, the last bar, because there's several bars in that particular obstacle, the, the first set felt good, felt exactly as I thought it would. Going onto the second set, it felt good, but it was like I was already looking at the platform ahead of me and I was already thinking about hitting the buzzer and I, I, for just a split second, stopped thinking about what I was doing that moment and just kind of lifted the bar uh, with a break in my focus and only one side came up as high. I didn't lift both hands as high as I should have. And just like that, my, my season came to an end this year. And so for me, I, I came, you know, got through the grieving process because it was tough this year, especially because I felt strong enough to finish all of it. But I, I, I went down and I, I always journal. I journal everything about my life. And so I wrote down and I want to take away from every experience. And so every year that I've fallen, I've, I've learned a lot from it. And so this year, what I learned was, which easy if you think about it, but no obstacle is over unless you're on the platform beyond it. And so I learned just, just never break in focus. No matter how confident you are, no matter how strong you are, do not take any moments for granted until you are past that obstacle, until you have hit that buzzer. And so I'm taking that information, that knowledge with me into to my training for this next season. And I'll be a lot stronger. I'll be more prepared. And I will take every single obstacle um, at face value. And I'm not going not gonna to over, overdo anything. I'm going to take it as it comes. You know, that to me, that just rings so true as an analogy for life as well. You know, we always say, be, be present, be in the moment. Mm-hmm. And isn't that just what we mean? It's so easy to lose focus, to get distracted. And it, it, isn't, it isn't anything more than a split second sometimes that you've lost where you were and lost the opportunity in whatever level. So I, I see that even as an analogy in life as well. Do you do a lot of um, meditation and that type of focus building when you're prepping and, and preparing as well? I do in fact, yes. And so like I, I will, like I said, like visually I'll look at the course, I'll imagine myself doing it and then I'll get myself in, in you know, just the best mind space that I can be. So like for me, I've got several, I've got a whole folder in my phone of different uh, scriptures that just give me life, that give me, that bring me focus, that give me um, just encouragement for my own personal life and the impacts that I want to make and the, the, the God that I have on my side with good plans for me. And so I'll, I'll do all these different things. And instead of like trying to, to, to empty my mind, mm-hmm. I will try to fill my mind with so much encouragement, so much um, truth that as I run the course, I don't run with this like 
to be dramatic, like life or death, like, okay, I have to win or else. Like, I don't do that. I run each course. And every time I step at the starting line, I run the course confident in my ability, confident that uh, I'm able to finish the course and full of hope that I can do that. And so when I stand there at the course at the starting line, I think to myself and I say a prayer, I'm like, okay, God, like, I feel like I can do this. I, I believe that I can do this. And my goal is to hit a buzzer. I'm going to hit a buzzer. But if by chance I don't, this does not define who I am as a person. It does not define who I am uh, even as an athlete because I've already experienced so much success and I know for a fact I will continue experience more success. And so when I run the course, um, I run it with a smile on my face because I'm truly excited to be there doing what I'm doing. Like you said earlier, just climbing and jumping on everything. And a lot of other athletes that I talk to, they, they put way too much pressure on themselves so that by the time they're standing there at the starting line, like they're freaking out. They're so nervous. And I've gotten to, to speak encouragement and speak life over a lot of different competitors and just say, guys, like at the end of the day, it's a TV show. And yes, it's one that we, we can win great money off of and we can build our platforms and encourage people. But don't put so much stress on yourselves. Like, like life is about enjoying the process. And so that's what it is for me. And so when I, when I meditate, I feel myself full of, of life and truth and scriptures. And just uh, when I run the course, I do it for myself and I do it for the people that are watching because I want to be someone that they can look to as a role model, as an inspiration and uh, kind of as a goal, uh, as a mark for other people to run to with their lives and say, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to quit no matter how many obstacles I may face. And, and it's also just that great attitude of this isn't the, the life or death um, situation. It's really just a love of the game and a love of being able to share your gifts with, with everyone who's watching. And, and also a door opener because not only have you developed a, a set of friends and deep relationships with people on the, on the set, but you've also been able to begin to reach out and share some of your other gifts with the world. So let's talk a little bit about life beyond American Ninja Warrior. The season's done, your, your life continues, and you're doing some, some great things, which, which is actually how we met, um, because one of those great things is writing a book and publishing a best-selling book. Let's talk about that part of your life and, and we'll talk about how the two of you came together to create this project. Absolutely, so, so I mean, the, the book that was just released a few months ago, that was several years in the making. I mean, I remember a few years back, um, a friend of mine who, who knows how much I, I work with kids that I still coach, I still you know, work with kids on a regular basis, uh, he has he has a son, a six year old son. And he was like Daniel. I remember one day he called me and was like Daniel, have you ever thought about writing a kids book? And it just took me took me off guard. And I, I remember thinking like, no, I I haven't ever thought about that. And he was like, well, he was like I was just reading reading a you know a, a good night story to my kid, and he was like all of a sudden I just I thought of you like I thought you could do this, and I thought you could do something great with your whole Ninja Warrior platform. And again, it goes back to not just what we're able to do on our own, but on, on our own, but with the people that we place in our lives or allow in our lives that have influence and a say over our lives. I don't know if I ever would have had that idea on my own, but as soon as he said it and I heard it, instantly it clicked and I was like, dude, you're right. I would 
I would love to write a kid's book. I love working with kids. I, I feel like I'm just a big kid myself, living a dream that I had when I was a child. And, and I said, so yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. So I began writing out my thoughts. What do I want my book to be about? What kind of messages do I want it to, to, to bring across? What kind of an impact do I want it to have on kids? How do I want them to feel when they read it? What age ranges do I want to look at? And so I, I had all these questions that I was asking myself and began writing out all these different drafts and things like that. And just, uh, and I love to write, as I've stated before. So it was just in something fun that I got to add to my regular routine. Just, okay, and here's my folder of kids book. What, what am I going to add to it today? And after about a year, we finally, you know, hit the ground. It was like, hey, found a publisher. Let's, uh, let's actually put, put it all in one condensed, like, book, book one. What do we want that to look like? And so I got to pull from all these different sources and got to, to put together something that I'm, I'm so proud of because it, it represents me. A lot of it comes from stories of my life, my personal walk. And I got to sprinkle a whole bunch of, like, Ninja Warrior-based, like, Easter eggs in it. So kids will read the book and they'll look at me and say, Daniel, like this here, we, was that like a shout out to this ninja or was this cowboy hat over here in this page, a shout out to this other ninja. And, and it's, it's fun because I didn't want to just have, um, a, a one dimensional like book. I wanted it to be something that, uh, you know, parents could look at as they're reading like, Oh yeah, I, I see that. I see that. And, and just have different things that, uh, would bring the whole thing together and, and encourage on so many different levels. And, um, bring families together, honestly, because I have the whole age range of, of families that are reading the book and enjoying the book and sending me different, um, encouraging, uh, what is it, just like letters and things like that, just saying how much they've been impacted by the book. Yeah, and I actually just want to make a, a note on that. Um, I sent you some information about my niece, who is an elementary school teacher at Central Elementary School in uh, North Carolina. And she, I sent her a copy of the book. She teaches kindergarten and she came up with a nice lesson plan. So she gave the kids a chance to watch you on the TV. And then she actually created the obstacle course so that her kids could do the obstacle course, a physical obstacle course. And then she had them write down what their goals were in their life, what they wanted to become. And, you know, went through and, and had this whole activity surrounded, surrounding the book. Book. And it was so fun to be able to share that with her and to have that kind of inspiration, you know, sort of that little piece that, um, that they got that day just because she took what you did and, and, and made something great out of it. So I, I thank you for that, as, as does she. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And the other part of the book, um, because all of those things are true about it, it's a beautiful story um, on many different levels. Um, there's certainly nothing better than uh, a parent and a child sitting down to read a book together and to have it be uh, something that feels good and that leaves them with some some really good life lessons really of of how to live a life that's worthy of of your best and so it's a beautiful beautiful story in itself but the other part of it and again because you're such a visual person that i love about the book are the illustrations and that's where abby came in um and abigail we met because we were trying to parse out what those illustrations were going to look like and you had such a, a perfect idea of what daniel wanted but hadn't had a chance to illustrate yet so talk a little bit about how how that process sort of evolved for you 
Yeah. Um, well, originally when Daniel started talking about writing a kid's book, I was like, well, okay, uh, let's do like a mock-up character. So whoever does illustrate your book has an idea of what you're wanting. And Daniel, like he said, he's a visual learner. So for him, he's not sure what he wants until he can kind of see it. And so I knew that about him. So I was like, all right, let's try and make a mock-up character to see if this is an idea of what you wanted. Cause he told me a couple of characters that he had seen that he's like, Oh yeah, I like that art style. And I like this and I want that. And so I tried to like, you know, try to give him an idea. So whenever we did start working on getting the book done, um, somebody would already have like the idea for it. And then um, ended up just working out that I ended up being um, the illustrator uh, for the book, which was amazing for me. Um, Cause I've always wanted to illustrate a book because growing up loving to do art. Um, it was a different, format for me because I'm used to like sketching and painting and so I'd never done digital artwork at all and um so Christmas last year before any of this started I asked Daniel if he could like buy me um what was it uh an iPad with a pencil to draw because I wanted to start you know venturing out and making new art and um so it was so perfect that it all worked out that I already had that and I was able to do this for him and it was an incredible journey because I enjoyed it every step of the way and it, I was happy to like be able to get exactly what he wanted um, on the page. So it was awesome. So you had actually bought that iPad with the pencil before, or you had even thought about illustrating anything. Yeah, because yeah. I funny how that works. Something um, with that because I'd never done it before. So I was like, oh, this could be cool. And so yeah, so it ended up just working out. Yeah, and and I mean, it's the illustrations are beautiful, and certainly again with a children's book, the the pictures to me are as important as the words. You know, the, depending on the age of the child, they're going to get the message from the picture as much as from the words. So that is such an important piece when you're putting a, a children's book together, and and the illustrations are beautiful. But what I really loved is that you guys got to work on this together because it really is sort of that a way of taking your relationship to another space you know not only do you work together on getting ready for the ninja warrior series but now you're getting these these books out where you can help children and families together and bring that forward together i think that's really beautiful how do you feel about that daniel oh man uh exactly that like and i said earlier that you know to have different people in your life that you trust they can see different things about your life that you might not be able to see. And so as Abby and I were working on, working on this book together, um, as, I was, as I would be writing it, she would come behind me and, and look at it with me through, a, her, through her set of eyes. And she'd be like, okay, well, what about this? Like, what are you trying to say here? Like, what are you trying to get across here? And, and so then I would, we'd have that conversation and I would be able to adjust or change or slightly modify things. And then in the exact same way, as she's writing, uh, she would show me like a rough draft and I'd say, okay, okay, that looks great. That looks great. What do you think about this or adding that? Or this is the message we want to get across. How, uh, is there a way that we can better um, visually portray that so that when kids look at it, um, it's not just the lyric, the, the words that they're reading, but uh, they're getting the message, like you said, through, through what they're visually looking at as well. And so we would just have a conversation. She would help me with the, the uh, words. I would help her with the, the art as best as I could just by, by telling her what I thought. And <laughs> it was so cool to see um, how well it has turned out with the two of us on it together. Because if it were just me trying to do the whole thing, it would not be, it, would, it wouldn't work out that well. And likewise, if it were just Abby, it wouldn't be the book that it is now. But when we joined forces and, and not only that, but had other people speak into our life and, and proofread it and look it over, um, 
it has turned into something so much better than we could have ever planned for. And uh, now, I mean, it's kind of sparked this thing. Now we're, we're looking forward to, to getting done with the next book. Excellent. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't read the book, it is called The Little Ninja, Go Ninja Go, and it's available on Amazon. So go check it out. But talk a little bit about how other books are certainly coming, but how, how do you see yourself using this book as you go out and do your, your speaking? What, what are your intentions with it? Yeah, my, my intentions with the book in, in the first place, and now more so than ever, is just to, to, to be a tool uh, that I can use in my, you know, I call it my ministry, but honestly, just like the, the season of life that I'm in, my Ninja Warrior influence and platform, it's a tool that I want to be used to, to, to encourage, to inspire, and to, to bring hope to thousands, if not millions of kids who are going to pick it up and read it. Because for me, like, I remember when I was, when I was a young person, and if there was like a, you know, a quote unquote, like celebrity person that I looked up to, like I would look for any possible means of, of connecting with that celebrity. Anytime they spoke, any YouTube video that I could find. Uh, and, you know, if I were ever in a situation to, to meet them or be in the same, um, you know, like speech that they were in. And if I were just sitting in the audience, the things that they would say would impact me more than the things that like my teachers or my coaches or even sometimes my parents would say because so-and-so said it and I looked up to so-and-so and wanted to be like that person. So for me, the impact or the influence that I have on American Ninja Warrior, I want to use as many different tools that I can to, to encourage as many different young people that I can because we live in a world that is so digitally based uh, and influenced and in a lot of ways it, it can be very negative and very destructive for young people so i want to provide resources that that lift them up that give them you know positive mindsets that that uh, give them truth speak life over them in a world where there's so much negative peer pressure i want them to to be a equipped and to remember the things that they read about as a kid and that they looked up to this ninja warrior who led a lifestyle that was just that was just awesome and they looked up to it they wanted to be like it and i i want to inspire the next generation by as many different means as i can and this book is one of those ways that i want to do that and another way that you do that is you do go out and speak and do you only do that in the houston area or are you do you travel out beyond that Oh, I go, I go all over the place. Um, I, I obviously I do a lot while I'm here at home in the Houston area and the Texas area, but I've I've been all over the country more so in the last two years than ever in my entire life. I think I've been on more planes this year than ever before. Uh, just going all over the place, whether it's speaking at a school or a camp or like a, a gym or a gym opening. Um, I've been all over the place and I'm very thankful for the season of life that I'm in right now due to being, you know, one of the top competitors on American Ninja Warrior. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for that and the opportunity that it's given me to go into these different places. I'm even doing uh, school tours with a ninja company that I work with. And so we'll go and we'll speak at anywhere from like 15 to 30 or 40 schools um, back to back in one week. And so we'll go into all these different places and I get to, to share my, my messages of what I've gone through in my life, how Ninja Warrior has shaped me into to the man that I am today and uh, getting to inspire, like I said, the next generation to chase after their dreams and to never quit or give up, no matter how hard life will inevitably get. Yeah, love that. Abby, do you go out and speak with him when he goes out to speak to kids? 
I have not. I do go with him because um, I do a lot of his social media. So I take a lot of photos and videos um, and I get to be there with him when he goes to the events. But I have not started speaking yet. Um, I did do a lot of that at my church. Um, I spoke a lot at my church and stuff like that and did teaching. But we'll see one day. Yeah, the key word is yet. because Yes. <laughs> Uh, I knew that you had, had worked with kids, obviously, even in the mission work. So I wondered if that was something that would uh, transpire for you. So that's exciting to see where, where that leads and where you, both of you end up going. Mm. It's only beginning. Yep. We fully believe that. Yeah, I really believe that too. You know, it's just been a pleasure talking with you, listening to you. Here I am. I get a chance to see you as we're recording this. Uh, the listeners are hearing it, but I hope what they hear it, it is what I see, which is this beautiful light within both of you to give your best to the world and, and reach out to help as many people as possible and inspire them to be their best and to give their gifts as well. And I, and I really appreciate you giving that gift to all of us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Before I end the podcast, I always like to ask my guests about the phrase, it just takes one. That's what this podcast is about. And I'm always curious to hear what it just takes one means to you. And so I'm going to give you each a chance to answer that. And I'm going to actually start with you, Abby. What does it just takes one mean when you hear that phrase? Um, well, I think of like two different things. Like uh, the first one is like, it just takes one person to like come into your life and like tell you like with Daniel like hey have you ever thought about writing a kids book or hey come like work at this ninja gym or like um even God telling us one thing like hey I actually have this opportunity for you or just like one moment in our life that can completely change the course of our actions and where we go and um and also like you know it just takes one like person coming up and inspiring you to make a change in your life as well so I feel like as us as Christians, we have a call to like be that person to spark change, like how Daniel's doing with like Ninja Warrior and with his kids book. Like it just takes one person saying yes to the call that God has in their life to start change in the world. Wonderful. Daniel, what does it mean to you? For me, um, if I could just choose one, <laughs> to mind is just, it, take, it just takes one decision to change the course of your life or someone else's life. And so personally for me, it just took me saying yes when one person brought me an opportunity that I was very nervous to, towards pursuing, whether it was singing or whether it was more of the Broadway stuff or any of the mission things that I said, like nothing in life that I have said yes to was comfortable. Everything that I've ever done has stretched me, has, has taken me out of my comfort zone. But literally, it just took one yes to get me to where I am or to get me on the, in the process of going to where I am today. And it just takes one. And I tell kids all the time, like you have so many opportunities left and right every single day, but it just takes one yes to, to, to discover what your abilities are, what your talents are and what your life can be. Fantastic. Great message to leave everybody with. If people are interested in, in finding more about you or following you in any way, where should they look? Oh man, I'm, I'm on any kind of social media, Kelly. So like you could just type in Kingdom Ninja on like Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I think Facebook, I've got like an athlete page, like Daniel Gill, American Ninja Warrior. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, to, you know, have as many people as, as oh, want to stay with me. Oh, and also my website. I, I send out like weekly newsletters too, uh, just to encourage, inspire and motivate people on a, on a weekly basis, on a more personal 
level. So you can check out danielgill.ninja if you want. <laughs> There's a Excellent. lot of different ways. Excellent. Very good. Thank you both for taking the time to be with me today. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Kelly. Great talking with you. Take Thank care. And there you have it, Daniel and Abigail Gill. This was such a fun interview for me to do. Daniel and Abby are so passionate about their lives, and you can hear that passion and that energy in their voices. I was fortunate enough to be able to be watching them and talking with them face to face and could see the light shining out of both of them. I especially enjoyed the excitement they were feeling when they got talking about the book. It's a great reminder that when we create something that can help others, in this case, the way they're going to be able to help children and families, it really creates a very positive energy and so much love. If you have children or know someone with children, I hope you'll get online and purchase their book. It's available on Amazon and it's called The Little Ninja, Go Ninja Go. I also hope you'll watch for Daniel on the next season of American Ninja Warrior, which will air next spring. He hasn't won the million dollars yet, <laughs> but I'm cheering him on and hoping he gets there. Of course, as it is with every episode of this podcast, it's now time to turn it back to you. Now it's your turn to go out and be the one. If you enjoyed this episode of It Just Takes One, then please subscribe to this podcast. That way you'll be notified when new episodes are available. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned. Our next episode is coming soon.